You know, ever since I moved from New Jersey, just nearby from New York City, Miles, I I started seeing what was weird about things, like people driving their cars on the the right side of the road and going to to stores to buy things. And wait, is that Usher? I think that's Usher lives in my neighborhood. This is a weird thing to say, Miles. We're talking about Erie, Indiana. Let's get a start. Miles, how are you, buddy? I am doing wonderful. Welcome, everyone, back to The More You Nerd. And if it's your first time, thank you for joining us. Yes, we uh, we need to talk about our show more on our own show. Yeah. Yes, we are the podcast that engages in monthly-themed challenges to expand your nerd horizons. And it's my favorite time of the year. It is fall. It is Halloween time. And before Miles, I, it's only I mean, September. Yes, that, that is a mistake that I made last week when just like <laughs> deciding what we're doing for October, I got a little ahead of myself and we could have had an extra syndicated show. And luckily, we kind of did. Miles and is the uh, the retail shopping of more you nerd themes <laughs> that he just wants to get like Halloween stuff he's ready to talk about in July. I uh, mean, I'm Halloween uh, <laughs> year round. I've got a Halloween figure like right next to me. Um, but I'm not a bad, as bad as Netflix because I just saw they're starting to advertise their Christmas movies. Well, look, it's it's you go from july 4th to back to school to halloween to christmas that's how yeah. it goes so uh, drew i i know we kind of make a joke out of, of you not being a horror movie guy but i would imagine as a kid you at least enjoyed some halloween aspects were, were there any specials or programs or stories that you liked as a kid from halloween because we are doing trunk or treat we are doing things that are focused on young kids and tweens for it, for the month of october it, it's it's funny I was not a huge horror fan as a child. Right. Still, I'm not so much today. Uh, but one of the shows that I loved was the real Ghostbusters. It's great. I it's... loved that show. I watched it constantly. I had all the toys uh, that was like I didn't have any Ninja Turtles, but I had all of the Ghostbusters toys. <laughs> and that show had some really good writing in certain episodes. A lot of them, I think, were written by uh, J. Michael Straczynski, who has gone on to be a massive comic book artist, uh, writer and also created Babylon 5. Five, yeah, Babylon yeah. Five. Uh, so yeah, um, if you have followed our show for the last decade, basically around Halloween time, I try to make everyone watch uh, horror movies or, or things that I like from Marble Hornets to It Follows to The Ring. So this year, I wanted to switch gears because I do kind of want to get on a soapbox and talk about something that is a little important to me, and it's it's actually horror stuff for kids because I'm a big proponent that kids deserve horror, just as horror helps. Well, they have enough mo- of it in real life right now but well there's that but well, the weird thing is horror movies do help people cope with trauma outside of like traumatizing their audiences i do think that horror aimed at a younger demographic helps kids make sense of the world around them and justifies their fears and anxieties over just the weird things about growing up and it doesn't look down at them for being afraid of things and in fact encourages them so that it can help them deal with things in their actual day-to-day life so for me these kind of stories and films they listen to them when parents can't understand parents are often in the out the realm of the adult, which is why even in teen slashers in the 80s, you see the parents really only on the peripheral or just not believing their kids about what's going on. They can't see the world as kids. And horror understands that. It's not an inherent criticism for, for parents or being a parent. It's just a comment on how drastically these different ages perceive the world. And so you have the spooky fun aspect, but most parents aren't going to necessarily watch let, uh, let kids watch Halloween or Night of the Living Dead. I'm sure Drew, as a parent, you're not rushing to let your kid watch Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. <laughs> no, I'm uh, not, not, not in any, I'm not rushing to watch that myself. <laughs> right. And that part of that is because of the graphic and adult nature of those films and some horror that consider is considered fine for teenagers, like PG 13 films. Well, I would say is a decent gateway material for, to gauge some kids readiness. It's still often a tad too adult. Like I'm not going to show some random kid, the ring because that kid, that kid could possibly be traumatized. So, 
it's it's extremely important to me that kids get an equal opportunity to engage in spooky fun. And unfortunately, as a whole these days, it's a facet that's largely missing from a lot of entertainment today that did exist massively in the mid 90s, which is why we're starting with a show that kind of comes from our syndicated September as as a as a good kind of segue in October into Erie, Indiana. That Drew, did you um did you ever see this show as a kid? I did not see it. I was aware that it existed because of something that we will get into as we go through our history. Uh, but when I came across it, I was already a done deal and in effectively syndication. And I do want to I do want to since it's just you and me chit chatting before we get to Erie, Indiana. I know that you have said that you're not a horror guy and we've talked about this before in our personal lives, but you're a big horror video game guy. Like you're a big Resident Evil fan. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm trying to kind of marry the enjoyment of spooky fun times. So the the thing about that for me is that I had a a definition of what a horror movie was when I was growing up. And it's really only in the last decade or so that I am realizing that my definition of what some of what that was is not exactly what it was. And that one, there are many flavors of horror. You've got, you know, really tense thriller sci-fi horror like Alien. And then you've got almost goofy horror that will make you laugh as much as it makes you scared. (laughs) Like Tucker and Dale. Like like Tucker and Dale or or even like I still haven't seen a uh, a, a Freddy Krueger movie, but that seems to be the the case based on what Uh, I am. In the later films, absolutely. What you've never seen. Oh, man. Okay, next year we're going to have to go through some classics. Um, Okay. I didn't realize you'd never see one of those. Yeah, it's it's fine. You know. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, it's not going to scare you. But it's also one of those things where I was also, you know, as, as and if, if you guys listen back to our to our backlog, we did uh, an episode on Are You Afraid of the Dark, a show that is very much in line with what we watched for this week. And in watching that show, the intro sequence to Are You Afraid of the Dark is still so terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> it's scary to me as a 36 year old man. And it's the scariest part of the show. The rest of that show is is much. It's it's high school theater. No. And yeah. And we talked. Yeah, we did talk about that. But no, you watch the intro sequence today and across the board. I'm a seasoned horror vet, and I still think that is some of the most terrifying footage shown to children ever. Like it is so well done. And the theme song is great until it gets to the actual kind of breakdown of the because it's so it's so sing songy. Yeah. Like when they when they do the, the, the kind of slow movements in the show, it's fine. But in the actual, I guess because they always do these really goofy things as that part's going on, like, you know, someone trying to be uh, not be sucked into a door or something like that. And they're holding onto the hinges and you can see the wires trying to pull them away. And Ryan Gosling is running around something. But uh, Ryan Gosling doing anything as a child is, is frankly not great. <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's switch focus then and talk about Erie, Indiana, a single season television series yeah. that aired from 1991 to 1992. Yes. So imagine before Buffy, before Mulder and Scully, even before kids submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, there was Marshall and Simon, two middle school boys investigating the ongoing weirdness of their allegedly normal all-American town, Erie, Indiana. This show was co-created by writers Jose Rivera and Carl Schaefer, and they always wanted it to be, according to Schaefer, a piece of social satire done through the eyes of a 13-year-old. And it was always supposed to be about society at large with a lot of double entendres. And initially, according to NBC, was supposed to be more geared towards adults, which you don't see. Yeah, I, I want to point out, by the way, that Jose Rivera is an Oscar nominee. <laughs> yes, uh, for writing the Motorcycle Diaries, a very different, uh, <laughs> very, a very different, different project, um, but very, very good if you haven't seen it. And, and Carl Schaefer uh, is actually the executive producer and showrunner for another show we've watched on The Morning Nerd, Z Nation. <laughs> oh, I did not. <laughs> that I was the only person on this show that had fun with that one but uh I had some fun with it I just yeah and and some of the actors I think actually popped up I I did find that anyone kind of involved with this show tended to work together in some capacity at some point in the next couple years so but the trouble with attempting this perspective was that studios had no idea what to do with the show how to market it where when what time slot to put it in Uh, so the creators themselves were able to get film director J. 
Joe Dante on board. Now, Joe Dante is a name that even I recognized as not be, not being a horror movie fan. Uh, and it's someone who had, has made a career uh, balancing slightly darker stuff with comedy. He was the director of movies like Piranha, The Howling, The Burbs, and probably- I love, mo- I love The Burbs. <laughs> and probably most notably, Gremlins. Joe Dante directed Gremlins. Uh, so his official- role- also did Small Soldiers as well. That is interesting. Uh, he, he His official role was as a creative consultant, which is how he's credited on the show, uh, which featured in making decisions like shooting in more expensive film rather than TV video, which was often done in TV shows to save budget, which just hiked that budget even higher. But he also wrote and directed episodes, including the pilot, I believe he directed. He, he did the first two episodes, and I think he directed maybe one or two more. And we're going to talk I about mean, some of the talent yeah, that, the, the, that directed these things, because it's yes, amazing. <laughs> Uh, but Dante's name was also they they really brought him in and were able to convince him to do this because they wanted to make sure that control stayed in their hands and that it wasn't wrestled away from them by NBC and and, and you know that kind of worked for for at least for a little bit but uh you know as they say uh, life finds a way it, it really does and and to show how much NBC did not understand what they were doing they had scheduled the show to run at 7:30 on Sunday evenings so this way it ensured the show was appropriate enough. Uh, they had to ensure that they, the the show was appropriate enough for for children, according to the creators, even down to two year old viewers, which is is insane to me that this, this is how they carve out the times. In response to this, Schaefer claimed that he had a, a child psychologist review every episode, explaining, "I try to balance the moral center of the episode and point of the episode so that you can put up with the scariness along the way." The problem is studios, and this is this is something I kind of want to talk about a little bit. Studios did not understand the tween market at all. And for the sake of this show, we're mostly talking about eight to 16 year olds. They knew the adults. They knew that the, you know, I want my MTV teens and they knew kids, but that was it. This is, this is not a time where young adult books were on the bestsellers list. This is pre goosebumps, pre dark, pre pre snick, which was the Saturday night Nickelodeon where the, where we were shows like, are you afraid of the, (laughs) yeah. Where are you afraid of the dark aired and Clarissa explains it all. And a number of, of, of shows that were about that age, basically. Yeah, exactly. And that that age group was not being approached. And and to, to further prove, I'm going to send this to, to you, Drew. I'll post this uh, when we post the actual episode. Drew, this was the the title card that they, they let in with on advertisements for Erie, Indiana. That's dumb. Uh, That's bad. It's Well, not only is it bad, it's, it's 1991. So, but it, you do not get the sense that show is the show it is. It's and just, they pair it. And, and, and so it's just cat eyes above Erie, Indiana above and a sun a sundown a sundown over what looks like just a town i can't tell because it's an, an image from 1991 yes and, and and as as you'll note in a second the show that it aired with um they did not understand what they were trying to do and and it's that lack of understanding that spelled doom for Erie, indiana as the series continued in terms of its creation nbc shifted their thinking and wanted to go back to the original idea of appealing a little bit more to adults uh so they added some new characters the forefront they uh one was a a, a f- um a foil to marshall that we don't meet in the first six episodes that we watched but you also have a character that we kind of get introduced to at the beginning of the show mr radford as the uh proprietor of the store that he that marshall and simon go to world of stuff gomez adams himself john astin really that was john the, astin yeah i don't know if he's in the first couple episodes i actually didn't look up that part but they brought him in to be that character oh, as a sort of mentor Interesting. Um, I'll have to look on IMDb to see if if he's credited for all twenty two episodes or twenty something um, episodes. John Ad- John Aston played Gomez Adams. I believe he is the father of Sean Aston. Oh, is he? I, I I just I didn't make the assumption because you know why why would I? Yes, because he, he was married to Patty Duke. His children are Sean Aston and a bunch of other Astons who are also involved in. Uh, yeah, in, so in- it looks like he he's Mr. Radford further in the series. Well, they, uh, he's well, not the Mr. Radford we meet at the beginning of the show. Well, they make a point that Mr. Radford is always in a different costume, so that's probably how yes. they got around that. That's exactly how they did it. Uh, well, but yeah, 
NBC mostly bumbled how this show was supposed to be presented to people. Um, And not to add further confusion to this, but the show was mostly shot at CBS Studio Center in Studio City. That's right. It was an NBC show shot on CBS Studios. That was a thing that happened a lot. And it still still happens today Uh, and was released September 15th, 1991. Wow. We are very close to what anniversary would that be? Uh, 19th. 19th. No. 29th. Yeah. 29th. 20, oh, God. Oh, man. 29th. Oh, man. I am one bad at math, but also forget what year it is. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- t- like 2011 was just yesterday, which is what I keep telling myself. And it was yes. nine years ago. Unbelievable. So, but it was aired on NBC. It was paired with a family sitcom called The Torkelsons. You remember The Torkelsons, do you, right, Miles? Do you, I, actually, I do. Oh, uh, yeah, Brittany I, Murphy. Do, I do not remember The Torkelsons. <laughs> uh, Brittany Murphy got her start uh, as a starring part of the, I think the second season this is another show as you're going to tell me in a second uh like Indiana that was re-aired on disney channel mm. and i remember seeing this show in reruns on disney channel a lot uh as a kid so it, it's weird that it has this shared history with a sh- another show that i know kind of well <laughs> well despite the growing critical acclaim for the show eerie indiana was a ratings bomb it placed 94th out of 98 shows in the nielsen ratings for the 91 92 season and Oof. was unceremoniously canceled right after that 94 out of 98 which I, which i watched the show and i can't see that i cannot see that that's how well, I mean, that was but but see here's the thing is i feel like they had less the nielsen's ratings is honestly a bad system to use to judge the popularity of a show especially now but even then it was like you had to basically have someone from nielsen i think because my, my grandfather had a nielsen's box and so it didn't didn't accurately portray or I represent like everyone watching TV. No, and it still was, doesn't. I have never been represented in, in, in ratings, except for maybe if I directly stream from somebody. Well, that's you have it. every time you've watched anything on Netflix, Hulu, exactly. HBO. That's what, any... I'm, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> if, I've, if I've directly streamed from something, I know my 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 stream is being counted. But in terms of like general TV watching, which is it's that that's insane to me. Yeah. Well, and that's but, well, that's really the story of Erie, Indiana. It was out, it had a season and and got canceled. And and that was it. Right. Oh, oh something, not quite. Something happened. Tween aimed horror became massive. Are you afraid of the dark that we've mentioned previously became a Saturday night event? Goosebumps, the TV, the, the book series and later TV series took the world by storm and suddenly you kept seeing shows and movies pop up throughout the 90s. Erie, Indiana remained in syndication during most of that time. Disney Channel had it uh, Encore's Wham Channel, but then Fox Kids picked it up. So Fox had an afternoon block where they they picked up uh, called Fox Kids. It's where Batman, the animated series started and and a number of other Mm -hmm. shows. And they took that. They took it on in 1997. And the show caught on enough and generated enough positive ratings to encourage Fox to create a spinoff show. Eerie, Indiana, the other dimension. Now, this is where I come on board with uh, with knowing what Eerie, Indiana is, because I remember that. This is where I remember seeing advertisements for the show obviously at the time i had no idea it was a one and done thing and i don't remember the the spinoff at all uh but this is where i first heard the name erie indiana i didn't have disney channel as a kid and uh i think it was a paid paid channel back then anyhow but it was or it was yeah something like that yeah and and that's the weird thing and because goosebumps is really like i mean are you afraid of the dark helped and everything else that popped up in the 90s helped but goosebumps was really that glue that was the big event that every kid, even if you weren't really into horror, every kid usually at least had or owned one Goosebumps book. I own several life. Goosebumps bo- books. I watched the Goosebumps show. Case and point. Yeah. I mean, it was a thing. Uh, yeah. Un- unfortunately, Eerie Indiana, The Other Dimension, which I need to look into this because it couldn't have been in- any good, uh, failed to capture the fan base of the original and was also canceled unceremoniously after one season. Well, and you have to look at their position this show all of a sudden becomes super popular six years after it was canceled those kids have already grown up so you can't have marshall and simon so they just well you might you might might be able to have simon take the lead and have another younger kid well uh simon actually had had fell into a pretty good
good job uh, at that point where he's the voice of Harold and Hey Arnold and has actually had a very successful voice acting career. Hey, good for him. But instead, it, it does revolve in Erie, Indiana, and it does revolve around two best buddies, but it's not Marshall and Simon. It's Mitchell and Stanley. Oof. <laughs> it's and and a lot of times they just they call them Canadian Marshall and Simon. And I, I to be honest, I have never seen an episode of The Other Dimension. It's like so co- I can't <laughs> speak about its quality. It could so- be just like Erie, Indiana, but <laughs> sounds a lot like Coy and Vance. Like <laughs> it, it, yes, except it, it, or it's, it's like but legally distinct Marshall and, and Simon. And it's kind of wild because I mean Fox went all in on Erie, Indiana. They had a goosebumps like series of books for Erie, Indiana that ran for like thirteen wow I don't say issues, but thirteen little junior novels. That a lot of them were actual sequels to Erie, Indiana episodes. One was called Return of Foreverware. Hmm. Well, so and, well, and, well, and so we should probably talk about the, even though the show was canceled, the influence has lived on in many of. I feel like Erie, Indiana's DNA is in Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's in the Goosebumps TV series, at least. I don't know absolutely. if it's in, in the Goosebumps books because they started earlier, but uh, probably not. But yeah, but I mean, but, but but even even shows like Gravity Falls, uh, the uh, a show that that I know Miles adores. I've watched a bit of. My kids have watched a ton of Gravity Falls. They love Gravity we Falls. Watched, we did a whole episode on that show. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't watch the whole thing. Um, no, but I, uh, I did. Yes, Alex Hirsch, the creator of Gravity Falls, has gone on the record to say that it's a blatant ripoff of Yuri, Indiana, and nearly every article you find about the show uh, that's been written in the last several years just fondly recalls the show as being just ahead of its time and a lost kids horror gem. Yeah, I mean, AV Club, Indiana, Indiana was a few dimensions ahead of its time. Uh, Den of Geek, Yuri, uh, Indiana, the original X-Files. Like, I mean, things that I was using as a source for certain things, I mean, all say that this show just, I mean, and it did, it came out at the wrong time. I mean, I said last week that there were aspects of Goosebumps, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And even Pete and Pete, which I really could see this as a distant horror-loving cousin of Pete and Pete. And it just came out too soon. This is a year after Twin Peaks had been canceled, and just the the landscape was different. And it's funny, because I went on to, like, make all these these comparisons, and I I was talking to to my girlfriend as we were about to watch an episode, and she hears me rattle on about this, and she goes, oh, so it's, like, so weird. And it just kind of, like... Dawned on me. This show that we have covered for the podcast this year is yes, it's exactly like so weird. And she just like <laughs> immediately tapped into that because she watched that with me. And I was like, I just put a dunce cap on my head, you know. <laughs> so so this is where I want to start talking about the show itself because I, I yeah, I want to I know we we on the show have a tendency to talk a lot about the plots of things, and I don't want to do that because I I, I don't think that does the show uh very much uh, uh in that regard. Um I want to say this show is available in its entirety on Amazon Prime at the time of this recording, so you can watch the entire one season mm-hmm. of it. Both shows. Oh, I didn't know it's also on Prime. I yeah. didn't know that. Interesting. So, the, the show revolves around Marshall, who has moved, Marshall Teller, who has moved with his family from New Jersey to Erie, Indiana, and it's the, the most picture-perfect, picturesque small town in America, so everyone thinks, except... Wait, Drew, do me a favor. Read read, read the, the opening that you get. I, I I've posted uh, for you because it's it's great. This is the opening you get for Erie, Indiana. If you're reading this document, it means I'm either dead or have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. My name is Marshall Teller. Not long ago, I was living in New Jersey, just across the river from New York City. It was crowded, polluted, and full of crime. I loved it. But my parents wanted a better life for my sister and me, so we moved to a place so wholesome, so squeaky clean, you could only find it on TV. Unfortunately, nothing could be further from the truth. Sure, my new hometown looks normal, enough, but look again. What's wrong with this picture? The American dream come true, right? Wrong. Nobody believes me, but this is the center of weirdness for the entire planet. Erie, Indiana. My home sweet home. Still don't believe me? You will. And that scene is cut. And they don't use that in every episode, which which bothers me. But that they scene, use a shortened version of it. They use a shortened version, but they also call out things. This is where, so this is where the yes. first episode does this great. While he's going through this, they're showing all of these things, like people mo their front yards and they're doing it all in unison a woman that's, like a little paper boy. <laughs> they're, well they're, they're they're throwing a uh a, he's throwing a a newspaper onto a house and elvis picks down reaches down and picks it up and they don't <laughs> every call, time he appears is great they don't call out that it's elvis in that first episode and it's wonderful uh the, there's a woman in her back 
backyard hanging up uh, laundry onto a uh, a drying line and there's a straight jacket. It's just like it's little little moments that are just there for you to, to pick out and see. But this is where I love this show and where I, I really enjoy the show in that this is technically horror for kids, but it's not so much horror, horror, scary stuff. It's just weird. It's just it's weird w- fiction. It's weird. The first episode is about this, uh, his, his, uh, which clearly is a pilot because the house changes completely between episodes oh, yeah. one the, and two. The, it, and, it, and I think you're right uh, to kind of follow up on that. It's Twilight Zone for kids. Yes, I think it's pro- it's definitely closer to Twilight Zone than to anything horror related because it's not out to go out and scare you. It's just out. It, it takes a look at stuff that was going on and and puts a weird spin to it. So so for the first episode is, is the truest for this. Uh, Marshall's mom uh, is is a working mother uh, alongside. Uh, well, she works at one place. Her dad works. Uh, his dad works in another place. They, they're both working parents, which is also cool, uh, you know, because yeah. I like that that's a thing that existed in shows for kids uh, at the especially at that 90s. time. Yeah. Uh, and the, the I, what I don't like is they make a big deal about how nobody can keep the house clean and the refrigerator is always either empty or full of like rancid food. But, you know, this is something that you saw a lot in the 90s is there was this weird thing that, oh, because mom's working, things aren't getting done around the house. And this happened a lot in early to mid 90s kids movies. I remember seeing this a lot. Yeah. And uh, it's it's no bueno. And this show did it like everyone else did. But the show never I, I don't feel the show ever condemns the mother. They're just they basically the show is saying this house is chaotic and nobody can nobody can take care of it. Exactly. But but this is where another staple of the time comes around. Uh, Uncle Rico, I mean, one of the neighbors uh, in town <laughs> comes to to introduce uh, his his mom to basically this this Tupperware container called Foreverware that that uh, and, and she's got these. What a simple name that I'm surprised hasn't been used for a real thing. I know. Right. And she's got uh, these two creepy twin boys that are her sons and they, they named Bert and Ernie. Bert and Ernie. Oh, God, they're Bert and Ernie. Anyway, that was that's the one reference that this show really makes that I and maybe because I'm just I'm more tuned in to Sesame Street. But I feel like every child in the last 50 years has been that that one is just a little too late on too thick for me. But 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 just to make a long story short, what we find out about in this is that forever. Not only does she sell foreverware and want to get people into the foreverware family and having this weird song that they all have to sing together and all of this. But Marshall sneaks into the house and finds because uh, he's he's weirded out and he doesn't want his mom to, to get involved with this foreverware stuff. And he sees the two twi- to, to, to pause on that. Keep in mind, everyone looks normal, like 90s kids, 90s parents. And then these people come in looking like they are from Leave it to Beaver. Yes. Very 1960s, very bright pink, very overly Stepford. Yes. Well, and and so what Marshall discovers is that in the in the twin boys bedrooms, they sleep in these giant foreverware coffins. They are in their 30s. They're just preserved overnight because of the, because their mom, who was also sleeps in a a queen sized foreverware coffin, <laughs> uh, do, I, does I this. And, and that, that's that's so clever and so <laughs> interesting. And it's it's not scary. It's just weird. It's weird. But it's it's. I mean, they do have episodes that are a little more horror oriented. Uh, honestly, the next episode that that we watched that passed of what we watched because I just started watching it with uh with Krista um because we we got in the the Halloween spirit. But I do want to pause and talk about how clever because uh, because I think you set this up perfectly, Drew. The writing in general for this show is very clever. The writing for the characters for Marshall narrating things is very funny. The thing that you read the beginning, like it doesn't sound like a kids show. And because of that, I think kids responded. And this is what Nickelodeon did so well in the 90s is they wrote for smart people and kids are very smart and they picked up on it. Well, and it, it, it's it also, like I said, it, it's not to scare you, but it really takes a look at things that are going on and that 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 somebody of this age might be encountering for the first time. Uh, like the, the, the next episode involves uh, one of Marshall's friends getting a retainer that lets him hear what dogs are thinking and he finds out the dogs are plotting to take over the town the 
<laughs> it's such a great idea. It's so goofy. But to to bring back to what I was talking about at the top of the show, this also feeds off of kids' anxieties about getting a retainer, mm-hmm. about about these sort of things that they have to deal with. And something like Erie, Indiana comes along and makes an episode that takes the thing that you're either anxious or afraid or just not so sure of and kind of allows you to deal with that. Like, this is something weird. This is the worst thing that we think to think of that possibly happened with a retainer, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I like that. I also want to point out they, they, the, this show also, we've talked about some of the behind the scenes people like Joe Dante being involved in this. Uh, Vincent Chiavelli is, uh, Chiavelli, I, I'm butchering his name and I apologize, uh, is in this episode as the orthodontist. And if you see him, you will know, oh, this, this guy, he is like a, a, he's a weirdly, fa- uh, apologies to the, to this <laughs> deceased Vincent, but if you saw a weird looking guy in a in an 80s movie or 80s TV show or early 90s movie or TV show, it was probably him. He had mm-hmm. a very distinct look to him that that and he's fun and he's fantastic. He's a- Fantastic. That, that, that is something about this show is I don't feel like any adult is ever really phoning it in. I think the the kids, the, the or sorry, the adults that are playing kind of either the bad guy characters or the weird characters are hamming up because they're having a good time. But Marshall's parents, they play it straight very well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, and and to, to go along with just other things there, this show d- just does something very, very cool that, that it tackles actual topics. And I want to I want to land on this episode i don't like this episode as much as i like the other episodes but i think that the lesson in this episode this is the third episode the atm with the heart of gold i, I thought this might and, be and, the one <laughs> and I, I like i didn't i didn't find that episode that that great i didn't enjoy it as much as i liked everything else but this episode is about uh so marshall's dad is a programmer amongst other just weirdly science things he does a lot yeah, of he's, just random he, science. he works for uh um things incorporated yeah. he's an inventor for things incorporated <laughs> and, and so he has created a a a talking personality based ATM machine for the local bank in in Erie and uh, <laughs> and it's not that popular uh, but uh, you know Marshall Marshall's buddy Simon he goes up and he's nice to it and the ATM starts giving him money and starts giving him more money so Simon keeps going back and talking to him and they become friends and they sing songs together and he keep, keeps giving him money and then so Simon's getting all of this money and he's got <laughs> what turns out to be at least a million dollars uh, that he has gotten out of this single ATM. Which doesn't make any sense. Which doesn't make any sense. But, you know, (laughs) it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Yeah, no. But, uh, and and so he's using that to impress all the other kids in town, uh, one of whom is played by uh, Steve from Full House, a.k.a. the voice of Aladdin uh, in the Disney movie, which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Um, As I said, the the cast in this has done so many other things. Uh, Marshall himself. Later on in this episode, uh, when the cop is arrested, the, the the bank owner it's andy from twin peaks <laughs> which had just finished airing so Weird. I, i'm so, wondering but, if they were trying to uh, because i i had read that the the writers of this show were influenced heavily by twin peaks which makes sense you gotta wonder that's that's why he's here because he's in like five episodes of the show could be i don't know but um we we haven't really talked a lot i know we want to well, go but, through, let, let me let me I'm get sorry, to this but, but the whole point of that episode is to, is is for marshall to try to give it simon that look simon this money that you're getting is coming from somewhere because the rest of the town goes completely bankrupt while this is all going on. And so they, they have to give the money back. And that's just it, it, it teaches a bit of a lesson in a fun way that I really mm-hmm. liked. Yes. And a lot of kids horror, especially at this time, did that. Many episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark did this. Uh, the cartoon version of Tales from the Crypt called Tales of the Tales from the Crypt Keeper did this exact same thing where it taught kids lessons. And this one is a, is a, is a perfect example. And for whatever reason, Drew, I kind of thought this would be the one that you talked about in terms of its uh, morality, but it also doesn't talk down to kids. It's not beating you over the head saying, now kids, it it shows this story. And it's a weird story, but it's one that like I saw this as a kid and, and that creepy little teller machine, the video, <laughs> the, the old school like Max Headroom style uh, teller stuck in my memory for, for years. And I mean, obviously it did, didn't tell me about the importance of friendship and money, but <laughs> I remember that episode. I was a little bit older but i think you're right a lot of these episodes do teach you a little bit of a lesson but it also comes with again things that kids are 
dealing with in their daily life. Because Simon comes from not much money. You see, we see his shoes at the beginning of the episode. They're they're ratty, and he's just this random kid. He's an everyday kid who just can't who can afford like oh maybe this or that oh, every now spe- and then. But he can't of, afford the new shoes. Speaking of, they don't make any any bones about Simon's home life being terrible. Not great. Yeah. Uh, like and, and in this episode, when when Marshall goes to Simon's house, uh, he sneaks in late at night, and uh, you hear what sounds like a woman laughing and a party going on. And uh, um, oh yeah, he's just like my mom's out of town or something. Yeah, like that. And, and Marshall's like, oh, your parents having another party, and Simon says, no, my mom's out of town, which is like, what is going on in this show? <laughs> yeah. Well, again, this show did not talk down to its audience. Like it, it knows that kids deal with things, and I like that they do. And this this show is fairly straightforward in how it deals with I mean even the opening if you're reading this I'm dead and not to spoil any future episodes but there is an episode where Marshall's friend who is in a good chunk of this episode gets hit by a car and dies <sighs> and well there's a that, that that's the beginning of the episode because then he has a heart transplant with this girl that he likes and the girl that he likes gets possessed by his friend it's a whole to do um, but this show does not and I understand why ABC might have had tr- or NBC might have had trouble trying to figure out where to put this show because in 1991 this is definitely more adult than what you're seeing on Saturday mornings I mean even pre Saved by the Bell yeah it's definitely more more adult than Good Morning Miss Bliss so I I do understand why they had trouble but at the same time they're you know they're advertising that as this really like if you see some of the advertisements for this show you'd think you're going to watch the X-File and it's not that adult mm. so I I do on some level understand why they had trouble but I still would have put this in the late afternoon and you would have been fine. It's just, it's more mature than a lot of what we'd expect something well, geared towards and children and to be. It's just, it doesn't make any, like, it seems like, again, we've got 30 years of perspective now to, right. to, to look at this and say, this isn't that crazy. This isn't that out there. But in 1991. Yeah, I mean, 1991, we had a lot of labels getting put on CDs and, and other things it's, going it's on. It's even that, before that. I mean, you had a lot, you had a lot of things that were starting to happen in terms of the zeitgeist, but also I mean, it's like we talked about before. The, no one, no one knew that the tween market was even a thing. I mean, you were either a kid until you were a teen, yeah. and then a teen until you're an adult. There was no in between. So they did. did they we just even did have not, the term the term tween yet? I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember, think I heard tween until I the two thousands. I, I don't think I heard the term tween until I was not a tween anymore. <laughs> it, well, that too. But um, no, I, I think that that was that was used later down the road. So I mean, again, we're talking in an interesting time in television where you know they're still figuring some of these things out so i almost understand but because of the show's honestly i would say authenticity in in how it's presenting its subject matter like it's still it is aimed towards eight to 16 year olds like there's really nothing on the show that an eight to 16 year old couldn't deal with it just doesn't talk down it's it doesn't feel like you're watching muppet babies you know yeah for sure uh, i i want to go through some of the yeah some of the other names no, that I, I i'm honestly i'm super stoked you had some much fun with this Drew. so yeah tell me more about what what you like well i'm just i'm going through names of stuff that we didn't watch in this show so uh there's an episode uh that we didn't watch that co-stars toby mcguire as a guest actor that well uh, and that was just when he was a kid trying to trying to make it just like Uh, we watched uh ryan gosling and are you afraid of the dark sure nikki cox same thing Uh, but then you have other people like uh matt frewer uh aka uh uh, max headroom uh he's in an episode you've got Stephen Root in an episode. You've got. Which it's ironic because they use the Max Headroom thing for ATM with a heart of gold. Yeah. Uh, Ray Walston, who you may know as uh, Dr. Smith on uh, uh, the old uh, Lost in Space show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in there. Rene I- Aubergenois is in a show. There is uh, episode an episode directed by Bob Balaban, who is one of uh, the, the improvisers that works with Christopher Guest a lot. Uh, Ken Quapis directed a couple episodes and he's he's all over. Uh, the, the office because his name comes up all the time listening to the office ladies podcast um, and and even the lead Omri Katz most kids who grew up in the 90s are going to know that name if only because he was the lead actor in Hocus Pocus which is a really really fun Disney movie and one of the things that I specifically wasn't going to do for this month because it's one of the few things that everyone knows yeah uh, I mean and that's that's kind of the thing is is yes everyone knows Goosebumps
Trumps, everyone knows Hocus Pocus, everyone knows, you know, a couple of these things, but there's more. And I want to encourage people watching more stuff like this so that more will be created. And it's, and that's, that's what's a bummer for kids now to me. And this is why I wanted to do this this month is because we don't have an eerie Indiana now. The closest thing that I would say we came to uh, something in the same similar vein is over the garden wall that Cartoon mm. Network did. Yeah, just weird. Just weird. It's weird, but it's also, it's got a horror element. It doesn't talk down to its audience. It's clearly meant for kids. And this, if if you if you want to introduce your kids to an X-Files-like show and the X-Files is too adult, you cannot go wrong with this. And this, it's not all just simply like lessons or weird. Sometimes it's just silly fun, like scariest home videos <laughs> where th- what you would expect this show would be chomping at the bit to do a Halloween episode. And the whole episode turns the idea on its head in that they have to stay in and babysit Simon's kid brother, who we did not know exists, and he never appears in the show again. Um, oh, okay, so here's what I love about this episode. So Cliff's Notes version, they have to babysit Simon's little brother. Simon's little brother uh, bites the TV remote and and gets zapped into the TV and the mummy from the movie he was watching gets zapped out of the TV. And <laughs> it's, so good. it's, it's so great. Good. Well, it's, uh, so that's that's, you know, OK, it's uh, that's classic horror TV, whatever, comedy, right. whatever. Well, as the episode progresses and this is, again, something that I absolutely adore. They're attacking the mummy. They're trying to 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 control the mummy. They're running away from the mummy and the mummy keeps making comments. It's like, wait, did he just say ow? That's that's dumb why would it it's not a mummy it's the actor from the show in a mummy costume that actor by the way tony j whose voice is probably more recognizable than than uh than his face he was he he's he's got that he was share khan in tailspin he was uh megabyte and reboot he was in the legacy of kane series in world of warcraft i believe he was the uh, before he passed away he was the the voice of all of the initial like character race choices uh cool uh i th- i think i might be wrong about that uh but uh and he, and and again the this is where the show has its fun the the actor's name within the show is sir boris von orloff which is a combination of boris karloff and count orloff from nosferatu and it's just i mean you can tell they're having fun they're having they're they're taking things from from all over you know science fiction and horror and honestly i and I, I I sent Drew a, a picture. I was like, oh, we have a cameo by Zebo in here. And and my response was, who's Zebo? <laughs> Well, and this is, again, pre Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I guess they use the same costuming company because uh, Zebo is the clown from the first season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, Tale of Laughing in the Dark, I believe. And when you have a band of trick-or-treaters, there's a child there in this over oversized clown mask that is, it's the Zebo mask. I, I, I think I posted both uh, photos. It's the exact same mask. It just has a hat on it. And I know it wasn't a reference to Are You Afraid of the Dark because that show had not aired its first season yet, but it's still a cool little connection that I I loved finding. But no, like Drew said, this this show takes a horror concept and just has fun. Yeah, um, I I, I want to say Miles loves uh, connections that he didn't know. Um, you can tell that he he did a lot of research on this episode, but he didn't do every bit of research because we haven't talked about episode six and the director of that episode. Episode six. Episode six. Just say no to fun, uh, which also features uh, guest actor Roy Brocksmith. Oh. Who you may know. <laughs> yes, but. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yes, Brian Spicer did it. <laughs> Brian Spicer directed that episode. Who knows who Brian Spicer is? Miles does. I didn't know until I was looking this up. He directed the Power Rangers movie. So that's that's you know, thing. it's it's the one time that I felt like, oh, you know, I might I might pop this in, but I'm not going to make a big deal about this one because <laughs> I got so many other things to talk about. But, but in this so, show. So, so I, I think if we haven't gotten it out there, I loved the episodes of the show that that we that we watched. I watched most of these episodes episodes with my kids too that they, they, oh, um, they how, did, how did the twilight princess and goblin king think it, it was fine they they were more interested in watching something that dad was watching than than what was actually going on gotcha uh, my 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 daughter is of an age where again this is a oh, nearly 30 year old show so some references they just flat out don't get like that i can absolutely see there's a lot of prescient references in that show and you know it's funny because when i was watching 
watching the show, I was like, this kid's from New Jersey. And again, I'm not from New Jersey, so I had to look this up. Why is he wearing a New York Giants shirt? Oh, because Giant it's like New Giant Stadium was in New Jersey. And I just it's 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 like why a bunch of the why more New Jersey people like the Mets than the Yankees, because the Mets is the closer team to the Yeah, and I just I just didn't realize that (laughs) and and little things like that. We also haven't talked about and they they mentioned this in the first episode. Marshall's supposed to be about twelve or thirteen ish. Simon is nine. Yeah, they call out his name, but they go to school together, um, which I can I can kind of forgive because they don't seem to have the same classes. And I went to school, a school that kind of kind of put some some grades together, like not together, but like it went over X grade to X grade. So I can see that happening in a small town. Maybe uh, maybe they only have like a kindergarten that's K through fifth grade. I don't know. Well, so here's the thing. How, How old are you when you're nine? What grade are you in? So my son is eight. He will turn nine in December. He is in the third grade. <laughs> so okay. there is really no reason for these two people to be in the same school. Um, it, it also, I get the feeling that maybe well, until you see the other kids, I figured it was Simon was the only one that talked to Marshall. <laughs> Again, because they the when they make a big deal out of you haven't made a lot of friends around town, Marshall, you better go make some friends. And he seems to have a new friend in every episode. That friend ends yeah. up usually getting run out of town by chased by or dogs by or hit by a car. <laughs> but uh, well, except for the two in, in the ATM of the Heart of Gold, it's these two guys that he apparently knows. But, uh, but also they're, 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 they, they're they, they, run, they run off to see somebody's girlfriend because apparently she's a, I can't remember what they say. That she's she's a, not a girl. She's a woman or something woman, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's something, it's something, something like that. weird. Uh, it's but, something that only a 13 year old would say. Uh, so, Miles, I, I think that I am ready to wrap up our conversation about Erie, Indiana. I really uh, dug this. I was super surprised about this. I'm I'm glad you liked it, and I, and this is the kind of stuff that I I I feel like that kids who are, good, are are wanting to explore weird fiction and horror and science fiction shows like this are such a good gateway because I, I feel like the storytelling is strong, the writing is sharp, and it opens the imagination up to yes, these ideas are frankly a little silly, but they're still very clever. The one episode that I, it seems like you didn't really care for, based on the fact that you haven't mentioned it at all, and the one that I think is okay because it has one of the actors from gremlins is the uh the losers club or the losers the losers yeah so that that yeah. that, that that episode it's it's fun it's weird and and the, that actor from gremlins is also in a bunch of other stuff he's in a bunch yeah, of he was he's in a bunch of wes time. anderson movies it's it, it's a fun episode i just i didn't want to spend the entire episode talking about every little little moment of, of these episodes because i feel like uh there's just so yeah. much fun to be had just talking about the show as a whole i yeah. i agree i'm so happy to to, to hear that you had as much fun as you did with well, it. And again, if I could compare it to other shows that we've watched, like I, I enjoyed watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? But Are You Afraid of the Dark is a show that was meant more to scare than it was to right. do anything else. I think this show is a smarter show. It's a better written show. It's a better performed show. It didn't feel like, like Are You Afraid of the Dark sometimes felt like this it was is held back. This is a, this is an anthology. Well, it was an anthology series, which, which doesn't help in some regards because then obviously some casts and some production values are better than other casts and other production values. But uh, it it never had one thing that it was trying to do. Not that this show is trying to do one thing. It just, it lacked, it lacked a cohesive through line. And then also sometimes things were just bad. And I'm sure there are episodes mm-hmm. of this show that were bad, but but it's 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 different because you're, you're a little more tied into it because it's the same continuity every episode. Well, and that's why I like really more than any other comparison I made. I do feel like this is the weirder cousin to Pete Pete. It, it's I, 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 you say Pete and Pete. I actually I do think, and I'm looking at some of the the directors and writers of these episodes. There's a lot of people that went on to direct X Files episodes. There's a lot of people that had directed Twin Peaks episodes before coming to this. Right. There's a lot of that DNA that's in this show, and oh, I and, and I and I think it shows. But I so I weirdly enough have been doing a Pete and Pete rewatch in my free time, and so I'm also in that kind of mindset, and I can just see like Marshall and Big Pete being like pen pals somehow. <laughs> like because Wellsville's kind of weird too. But but there's also a certain and again this this is entirely about me being a um an older millennial, but there is something about watching both Pete and Pete and Erie Indiana and it's it's so comforting. Like yeah. it, it I, I could easily put this in in a comfort food uh a month that we did. And but I'm 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 really glad to hear that you you really 
really enjoyed it because I, I do feel like, as, especially since you are someone with kids and hearing you as enthusiastic about it, it, it makes me think, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy thinking this is a good show for, for to show to, to children. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. I, I'm, I, I think that's going to put a ribbon on, uh, or it's going to put a little tag on to Erie, Indiana as it gets placed into the locked cabinet <laughs> as we find uh, out what we're talking about next week. Miles, oh, what do right. you have on the docket next? I don't know this. Miles has not told me any of what we're doing for this for this month. Oh, to be perfectly honest, he hasn't asked. Um, he is just letting me do it. Okay, it's Halloween time. Miles is going to run it. I, I like um, spooky surprises, so let's see what he throws at us this time. Well, again, I, I am keeping with the trunk or treat theme. I am going to go for something a little bit more modern next week. Next week, we are going to watch the 2012 Leica film Paranorman. Uh, Leica is the company that has made Coraline, Missing Link, Kubo and the Two Strings, and the Box Trolls. So you may have seen one or all of those films. Uh, they're, they mostly do stop motion animation. And, the, and this they're, film, the, they're the same company that, well, it wasn't the same company, but they, they're the people who worked on, or a lot of the people who worked on uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas coming out of that. Yes, a lot of people work, uh, have worked on that. Uh, that is absolutely true. Uh, so this this movie is a fun little, it's, it's, it's the first to use a 3D color printer uh, to create some of the, the actual stop motion characters. But it's about a young boy who can communicate with ghosts and is given the task of ending a 300-year-old witch's curse on his Massachusetts town. And again, this is one that, I mean, it did well enough in theaters, but it doesn't get talked about very often. And I wanted to do something for kids that is, you know, of the Halloween spirit. So this one's more explicitly supernaturally themed than Erie, Indiana was. But, uh, and it's one that it's very easy to find. It is not free on any particular streaming service, but you can rent it on almost everything from YouTube to Amazon to iTunes. And and all honestly, if you go to your Target or Walmart, it's probably five to ten dollars on DVD. It is not a difficult movie to find at all. And um, and contrary to popular belief, uh, Tim Burton not involved in this one. <laughs> no, uh, this is uh, <laughs> not at all. Uh, uh, the person who directed this is actually going on to do uh, Chicken Run 2. Oh, yeah, I forgot that's happening. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, Leica is probably one of my favorite animation studios because of their dedication to uh, practical stop motion animation. And again, this movie did well enough, but I don't think anyone ever talks about it. And I think it's going to be a really fun movie to add to your kids Halloween collection. And I'm curious to see what Drew's going to think about it. Um, but before we get to next week, or, or uh, before we before we bid adieu for next week, we do have a little housekeeping. As we mentioned last week, we put up a poll on Facebook and Twitter for syndication September as to what show we were going to deep dive. And it was a very, very narrow victory. Now, now are we going to are we going to to, to continue? Are we not going to leave it open for more than a week? Um, I mean, we can. I'm willing to I make had, the call I had, now. I had, I, I had planned. I only had it on Twitter open for a, for uh, a week. This, so these are things we should probably talk about uh, before we uh, before we do. Yeah, it, we probably you know, should have. So that's fine. Do, do, we can cut this if you want. No, well, let's, <laughs> let's roll it, baby. Okay, but I will. We'll save it. Um, I can reactivate the poll on uh, Facebook and Twitter. If you haven't voted, uh, by all means, let us know what you want to watch. I'm talking us. miles right now, live into one more week, one more week to let your voice be heard. And I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm fine with the, with, with the, the current winner. I'm kind of hoping something else might edge it out, but, uh, I, I guess we'll see. So until next time, uh, watch paranormal with us. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you thought about your Indiana. What are some of your favorite kid Halloween memories? Like talk to us. <laughs> I'm starting to sound desperate. No one's talking to us. All right, guys. So well, Drew, how can they talk to us? You can talk to us at themoreyounerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyounerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. Uh, and of course, you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com. That's themoreyounerd at gmail.com. So until next time, we are going to end this show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd. out. Out.